This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with the mosquito inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated techniques, they extract the preserved blood from the mosquito and bingo, dino DNA. This is Film Slub. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Film Slob. Today, it's once again in your yours truly, Sierra Gonzalez and Patrick Kelly. Say hi, Patrick. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, and today, we're talking about a classic, Jurassic Park, 1993. Yes. It's hard to say anything that hasn't been said about Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> Yeah. I was wondering where this conversation was going to go. Uh, first thoughts, Patrick. Uh, experiences that you had with Jurassic Park. I mean, obviously, it's part of our childhood. It's right in that sweet spot. Not really for me. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, um, the first time I saw it all the way through probably was here in your front yard that movie night. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Not too long ago. Maybe. Uh, not. Yeah. When was that? It, it was when we were more comfortable getting together. Yeah. Uh, this was a few months out, back. Yeah. A few months back. Outdoors. Uh, uh, movie uh, movie night out in your front. It was over the summer for sure. Yeah. I remember that because it wasn't as cold outside. I think that's why we did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a great movie to watch with people, I think. Yeah. This is one of those movies that's like heightened by watching it with people. I think there's like a few movies that are like that. I just rewatched Friday with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. And I find that that movie is way better when you watch it with people. I was watching it alone <laughs> and the jokes were like hitting as hard. Yeah. Uh, it's something about like the energy in the room where you need to fill it with people. Yeah. And uh, Jurassic Park has several of those moments where you, you just feel this tension and excitement and like awe and wonder. Yeah. And awe and wonder are good words. Like yeah. that, that visual spectacle the first time you see the brontosaurus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think if you watch this alone, um, it wouldn't hit like it hits when you watch it with people. Because that magic is always there. I think when we rewatched it here at my place in the front yard, um, that magic was still there. There was a few people who hadn't seen it before, and to see them react to that for the first time was like still cool. Uh, yeah, it's just something about the the way the reveal go, goes, uh, the way Sam Neill kind of reacts to that. Like you yeah. can see his excitement; he gets like lightheaded and stuff like that. That whole scene, the way it's planned and set up, the way it's executed, is just. It's a really great reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I said, I, I didn't see it when it came out uh -huh. um, and I didn't really see it when I was a kid, Yeah. but this speaks to how influential the movie was. I actually do remember when it came out, like we were driving by the movie theater when I was five or six. Mm -hmm. I actually remember that it was Jurassic Park. That's the reason why everyone was lined up. Yeah. Everyone was super excited about it. My parents were excited about it. I know they, I think they saw it and I just didn't see it with them or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, and so it, that's notable to me that I, I didn't even see it, or at least I don't remember seeing it, but I remember it coming out and being like a really important thing that, that happened. Yeah, I mean, it was being merchandised like crazy. Yeah. Um, this brought back a research of like, a, a, like dinosaurs. I think dinosaurs are always a thing. Yeah. Um, especially for well, kids. Well, yeah, um, I don't know. I was like, is this the first thing that really, really like brought dinosaurs into uh, the mainstream at I don't. I, I don't looked, think so. There was the land before time. Yeah, exactly. In the eighties, yeah. but I, I think kids just fucking love dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was looking back and I was like, I can't think of a another uh, movie about dinosaurs that was as popular. I mean, you can't be as popular as Jurassic Park. Yeah. But um, looking back, 
I think it's just the land before time before. There's Jurassic that only Park, um, right? there was Land of the Lost, wasn't that? In the oh yeah, 90s? you're right, you're right. And yeah, that was just like the year before. Yeah, it was like 1992 or yeah, yeah, 93. Yeah, I mean dinosaurs have like always been in the culture. Yeah, I'm not sure where yeah. that comes from. I don't know why people are fascinated with dinosaurs. Maybe because like they were living here before. Right. And it's interesting to think about like creatures inhabiting this land and they're yeah. just larger than life larger yeah. than anything that you know we have now yeah i think kids are just um kind of fascinated with thinking about the spaces they inhabit uh kind of the size in relation to the things we see now i think the only things that are this big on earth now are probably in the ocean yeah like if you were <laughs> to see a like a, a blue whale on dry land that would be probably fucking really scary <laughs> You know, you know that's because of humans, right? We're too good. We're we're too good of hunters. We killed like all of the megafauna. Oh, really? Yeah, all the woolly mammoths. Yeah, um, all the giant sloths. Uh-huh. Um, like the giant bears. Like, Just fucking ate them. Yeah, <laughs> and the the so the only uh, megafauna that there still is um, are in the places that co-evolved with humans. Yeah. So in Africa. Yeah. So. In Africa, you've got elephants and uh-huh. rhinos, and you've got giant animals still there. Yeah, because um, they evolved around humans learning how to hunt. So, is the theory that these things are all over the earth? Yeah, at some yeah. point. Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah. um, in uh, Australia, yeah. there were giant kangaroos. Yeah, um, giant wombats. Like, just imagine like rhino versions of those animals. Yeah, and humans when they made it to Australia wiped them out. Like right away that's insane because they like these animals were not adapted to um environments with humans yeah and humans were good hunters at that point you mm-hmm. know still like roaming tribal bands of hunter gatherers mm-hmm. but sophisticated enough and smart enough to like yeah i wonder if that had anything to do with human sickness as well if that maybe was a factor probably not maybe it's more the hunting thing but that's something that they kind of nod to in Jurassic Park because yeah. there's a couple of sick dinosaurs in here. Oh, yeah. Well, we're giving deers COVID now, so. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, that, you know, you know, yeah, there was you like know a, it's contagious. I saw like something if, about a, a cat with COVID on Twitter. This was long ago. <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing anymore. Like, poor cats. I fucking love cats. But, uh, yeah, like, we're giving that. Um, they're just not suited for that. I think of, like, um, you know, white men giving the indigenous smallpox yeah. blankets and something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's the crazy possible. thing, too, is, yeah. like, the disease wiped out um, Native Americans, yeah. oftentimes like before the white population even got there. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, really sad. Yeah. Interesting thought, especially like what we're dealing with now with COVID and stuff yeah. and the rates like this is going, you can imagine how, how quickly like something would die off. Yeah. Um, the Galapagos is like a place that remains untouched. There's like, yeah, there's still like prehistoric species there, isn't there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like giant tortoises and, um, iguanas and finches. Darwin's famous finches. Or yeah, but I think that's because it would remain relatively untouched for for yeah. quite a while. Yeah, throughout history. Um, what are some things you notice about the movie this time? Like I said, you can't really say much that hasn't been said as far as like the quality of this movie. Like everyone knows yeah. this is a good movie. Everyone knows it's exciting. I think uh, the most rewarding aspect of this movie, especially through rewatches, is like the fine details. Mm-hmm. It's exceptionally ri- written. I think. Yeah, like the characters are just built up. Uh, so. So powerfully, I think you get like a really clear idea of who the characters are. And um, one thing I wanted to comment on is when I watched it this time is the opening, like the the series, the sequence of scenes that you get in the in the beginning. Like the first mm-hmm. two scenes are so interesting to me because you don't see any of the main characters, 
And it doesn't give you a lot of context, but it gives you very vital information that's going to go into the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's true. We yeah. don't see we don't see uh, any of the main characters until the archaeological or the paleontological dig. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in that first scene, they just they show you right off the bat that dinosaurs are dangerous. Yeah. So that's not the suspense that's being built within this movie. Like we don't like that's not a surprise right. when, when the shit right. goes wrong. Like we right. know that. Like that's the first piece of information that we're giving yeah. in this movie, which is odd. And it's interesting that they do that because they do that with, to you before Grant and Sattler, like yeah. these people who study fossils of dinosaurs, but obviously they've never seen a living dinosaur and the scientific community is just speculating on how they behave and yeah. things like that. Um, let's speculate. I mean, not exactly speculation, but it's fuzzy. Like you, we can guess, you know, make educated guesses as to how they behave. And stuff yeah. Like that, but um, but I think it's interesting how they like insert that into your mind in the beginning yeah. because you're kind of on the side of uh, Grant and um, what's Lordran's character? Uh, Sattler. Uh, Sattler. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're kind of, you, you're on their side from the beginning and maybe yeah. it's not, you, it's not as much intuition as you would think. It's because you've already seen this piece of information from the first right, scene right. where you're like, oh, this is not good. Like, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of forget that that happened at the beginning, you know? Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah. we've seen a dinosaur like tear through a man. Um, or not seen it, but, you know, you, right. we, we've got a strong impression of it. And then the second scene is really interesting, too, because it it's building on characters that aren't even present in the scene we get information on Hammond and Grant in that scene uh, with, um, what's his name? Uh, the Is that lawyer. when they're at the, di- oh yeah, the blood-sucking lawyer. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember where, his where name. He, where he's being pulled in on the raft. Um, that It's the second scene in the movie. He's being pulled in on the raft and you see his reflection in the water. Uh-huh. And um, they're talking about Hammond not even being there. What's this here at the airport? Hammond's not even here? He sends his apologies. We are facing a $20 million lawsuit by the family of that worker. And you're telling me that Hammond can't even bother to see me? He had to leave early. He wants to be with his daughter. She's getting a divorce. Well, I understand that, but we've been advised to deal with the situation now. The insurance company... Okay. The underwriters feel that the accident has raised some very serious safety questions about the park. That makes the investors very, very anxious. I had a promise to conduct a very thorough on-site inspection. Hammond hates inspections. They slow everything down. Okay. And what's the information you get from uh, that Hammond about d- the lawyer? That, oh, you don't get information. The information or about Grant. the lawyer is that he's like the stooge. Like uh, he, yeah, He's yeah, the yeah. lawyer stooge that's going to be running this inspection on Jurassic Park. Yeah. And through that piece of information, we understand that Hammond doesn't like these inspections because it's going to slow him down. Uh-huh. So one thing, he's like overly eager. He doesn't care enough to be at this dig site. Like, that's the first question. Like, oh, Hammond's not here. Like, no, he's at his, uh, he's with his daughter because of a divorce she's having. So he's not even invested. Before he flies in on the helicopter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's not even invested enough in like the situation um, to, to be there in person. And they're talking about the lawsuit that's going to happen because of the man who's like attacked in the first scene. So Mm -hmm. all these big things going on. Hammond doesn't, isn't even like curious enough to, to, to be present in the situation. And then they talk about Grant. Yeah. And about how they can't get him to leave Montana because he's a digger. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so you get um, sort of like these, they're talking about them and they're, 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 they're sending them like an archetype of these two men, these two forces that are going to go hand to hand. But you see it in this like micro situation of the lawyer going against like this guy, this digger, you know? Yeah. So um, you, you get like sort of shadows of the two characters we're going to see like 
butting heads throughout the entire film in that first scene without actually seeing the main characters that we're gonna we'll see play out the whole drama you know yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome that that the, there's that kind of uh exposition on those characters just like you said that before we, yeah before we get them directly yeah um i like the lawyer character <laughs> and I like the reversal. I especially like the reversal that he takes. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, risk averse. Let's not get sued. We're going to lose our asses. In yeah. Lawsuits. I have to get his name. Um, um, hold on. I'm going to get his name right now. But it's when he sees how profitable this thing is going to be. Yeah. Then he switches sides and uh, all of the scientists are like, this is too dangerous. You're fooling with stuff you shouldn't be fooling with. Yeah. And uh, and he's like completely getting off. Like when he, yeah. when, when they first see the dinosaur, like uh, Grant is in awe, and his name is Gennaro. Don Gennaro. Gennaro, yeah. yeah. Um, and Gennaro's like, we're gonna make so much money off yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why like blood sucking lawyer sticks into my mind because Hammond, they're in, they're having dinner, and and Hammond, uh, they're having this talk about you know whether or not they should be doing this, yeah. And um, and the lawyer's the only ones on Hammond's side, and Hammond is like. The only one on my side is the blood sucking lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's a similar character in the Life Aquatic West, and, the, and they call him like the, the stooge. stooge, the Bond Stooge, <laughs> yeah, the Bond Stooge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like basically like the, he's taking the same place as Gennaro in this uh, in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I I keep on thinking about Hammond and just how arrogant he is, and that's like a major theme in this movie, like the arrogance, and um, and I think that's a drama you see play out with the movie, like. Like I said, we see how dangerous the dinosaurs are. So that's not the thing that we're waiting for. That's not the surprise of the movie. The surprise is like uh, the the folly of like human arrogance. That's yeah. the, that's the main drama that we're seeing play out um, with this film. The arrogance of of humankind to think that they can manipulate nature you yeah. know, to their ends. Yeah. You know. Um, but I think it's like a, that's like a double edged sword. And I think if you look at too much at one side of that argument, you lose the other side where mm-hmm. Like that's why human beings are as successful as they are mm-hmm. know, to the extent that we're successful. Um, well, because, what do you mean the arrogance or just no, like that propensity to manipulate nature? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we don't have that propensity, we don't have like dwarf wheat, you know, like yeah. the, um, the, the green revolution, Norman Borlaug yeah. who um, has saved like a billion lives or something like that with uh um, like that, that's a legitimate estimate I've seen around that, like this, this discovery of dwarf wheat and more, it's, you know, it's like the genetic, uh, manipulation of, of wheat to increase yields. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's a few shots that pay respects to what humans are capable of. Um, as far as technology, I think there's a couple of things that kind of nod to like, uh, appreciate how far humans have come to be better than this. Yeah. And I think of the chase where Jeff Goldblum's on the back of the truck and they outrun the T-Rex because we get the information that the T-Rex can only go 32 miles an hour mm-hmm. and they outrun it. And so they have this shot of them running away from the T-Rex, you know, and yeah. he's just like roaring in the background, pissed off. Um, and then the last shot, we get the helicopter over the ocean, like going into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so That's, I think they're paying like, do you respect? Uh, yeah. I take your, I take your point. That's a good, that's a good observation. I, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I don't, I don't think that they completely just, um, Kind of took the took the disre- that side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like disregarding um, the power of humans, and I, I think um, I think the hunter is kind of they show him in a good light. Like I don't think he's like arrogant. Like he respects. Yeah. Them. yeah. No, he's like yeah, he's like uh, yeah, he's kind of sh- portrayed as like an admirable character. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he respects nature. He respects the power of the dinosaurs. I mean, uh, the last scene right before he dies, he's like, clever girl. Like, clever girl. Yeah. He's complimenting the raptor that's about to disembowel him. Exactly. (laughs) Like, he's not like fucking losing his shit. He doesn't scream or anything. He's just like, hats off to you. You beat me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, You wanted to talk about some of like the science. Yeah, yeah. So my impressions watching it now, um, in, in a former life, I was a biology major. I didn't end up doing that in my, in my career, but, um, when I went to college, I was, I was a biology major and a chemistry minor and, uh, watching, watching this movie, it really popped. I feel like at this time period in the early nineties, it really popular, popularized some interesting things that were going on in science. Yeah. Um, chaos theory like is a huge part of this movie and, and, and chaos theory is, um, you know, it's like the flip side of Newtonian deterministic, um, uh, physics Uh and and math and and things like that. And, um, which is, it's basically like, why are we unable to like predict complex systems like far into the future or, or even simple systems where we think that, we know all of the laws, yeah. you know, like Newtonian physics. Um, they're, they're really good in the short term. Um, and, and we can make really, really good predictions with uh, Newtonian physics. Uh-huh. You can put a space shuttle on the moon or not a space shuttle, a lunar lander on the, <laughs> on the moon um, with, uh, with physics, you know, like with, with just math. Yeah. Like, and that's amazing. Um, but you actually can't even those simple like the newton's law of gravitation and laws of motion and things like that yeah they're pretty simple equations Mm -hmm. um but you can't like predict far out into the future like with more and more iterations like even with something simple and you think that like you know all of the variables because you don't there's like so many variables that you don't Mm -hmm. know um that that book I gave you, uh, so I, as ever, I gave Caesar a book for uh, his graduation. Yeah, we were just talking uh, about this, Black Swan. Yeah, Black Swan. It talks about this. It mm. talks about a bit of chaos theory and um, uh, like the our inability to make predictions uh-huh. um, and our like arrogance to think that we can make predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an example. Uh, it's a it's a, a pool table. Just imagine a pool table or a pool table with billiard balls on it. And imagine hitting a cue ball into the pool balls, the billiard balls. I don't mm-hmm. know my terminology here. <laughs> <laughs> imagine hitting the, the balls on, on the pool table with just Newtonian physics, um, the material properties of the table, uh-huh. um, the force vector and the English. You can predict where all of the balls are going to go. Yeah for the next couple of shots, mm-hmm. like just with math, like you can predict, predict that, um, and where all the balls are going to end up. Do you know with how much accuracy? Like really, really high accuracy for the first few shots. Yeah. But the more you project out into the future, the yeah. more error there's, there's going to be by the time you get to like the ninth shot. Um, you haven't, you need to start considering the gravity of the person next to the table. Mm to like accurately predict where the balls are going to end up. Yeah. And then when you get to the 50th something shot, yeah, you need to account for the position of every particle in the universe <laughs> to, <laughs> to accurately predict where all the balls are going to end yeah. up. Yeah. And that's the conversation that Jeff Goldblum is having with Leonard yeah, in the exactly. car. Uh, 
think the Tyrannosaur uh, uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. It's the essence uh, of chaos. Um, I'm still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it, 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 it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability and complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and then I go too fast. Uh, I go too fast. I did a flyby. No. When he's giving her the example of like dropping the water on her knuckle. Yeah. And like, where's it going to go? Yeah. No, there's so many things that you're, you can't even possibly conceive of to consider yeah. to make that prediction. Yeah. Microscopic imperfections yeah. in the skin. And, and there's a lot of like, that's why I kind of wanted to dig into chaos theory on this movie a little, yeah. a little bit. Cause, um, so as you go on, let, let's take the pool table example. Billiards. Yeah. Does that, the chance of like, the probability of guessing that more correctly, does that decrease exponential? Like how, like a lot, like yeah. every ball? Yeah. Well, I mean, just think it, it is exponential because you're going from uh, like three where you can predict it with uh, just like simple, yeah. sum of all forces equal, you know, like, and, um, but at the ninth one, you yeah. have to consider the gravity of the person next to the table. Yeah. And then 50th. It's like everything. It's everything. I guess in the that's universe. pretty quickly. That's, like, that's, that's how drastically <laughs> it gets out of hand. Um, that escalates very quickly. So, like, we we do not for things that we think we know. Yeah, it's dangerous to think that we can make predictions far out into the future. Yeah, um, that's why uh, you know Nassim Taleb in Black Swan makes the case that. I uh, should be wary of uh, like economic experts mm -hmm. um, because stock markets, um, they crash. <laughs> There's lots of experts um, and uh, none of them like see it coming when it, I mean, yeah. some people see it's coming, but um, you, you'd never know for sure until it happens. Yeah. And then you can look back and be like, it happened because of this and this and this and this. Yeah. But when you're in it, like there's no way you can know. There's also other forces at play here though, because I think people, I mean, in a, a capitalistic society, people need to sell themselves as experts. Mm -hmm. I mean, to really make any money or be uh, just, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, regarded as somebody that with knowledge or something that you need a, a sort of like a degree of arrogance to right. be taken seriously. And what's that? But, like, what's the difference between that and just being a straight up con man? You know? Yeah. Like, Cause that's what a con man is. A confidence man. Like, yeah. Most definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah. You just need to con everyone into believing that you know what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. I have the answers. Listen to me. Oh, and you, you can pay me a consulting fee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is why if you ever, like if you work in a large company, it's so frustrating talking to people like that are above you because they just say everything with such confidence. Yeah. Like, no, you're wrong. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like weather, um, we can make, oh, I'm just using weather as an example, like our weather forecasting, like really, really sophisticated mathematical models yeah, for, for our, sure. our meteorological programs. And, yeah. um, how reliable is that? It's reliable for the next few days or a week or whatever, but the further out you go, the less reliable it is. Yeah, for sure. But people accept it. I mean, because by the time the day comes, <laughs> yeah. you don't remember what it said a week ago, <laughs> but I feel like. I mean, that's, that's been made a joke by now, but like how weathermen don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, 
Yeah, but like I said, our, our memories are too short term to like hold people accountable for misinformation or just like we don't even care enough, <laughs> especially for something like about weather. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of arrogance going on in this movie. I think specifically with Hammond, and they're always they hammer this point over and over again. I think really the the kind of turning point for Hammond as far as the character goes and his arrogance is that little scene with the ice cream, which is like, Oh yeah. So great. You know, like this indulgent, creamy white food, like yeah. ice cream, you know? And, did, um, did that feel heartless that like his grandchildren are like out <laughs> in this wilderness with carnivorous dinosaurs and he's just eating ice cream. Yeah. Seriously. Fuck that he dude. Is, he is powerless. What is he going to do? Yeah. But, but like, like, he's like sulking over a bowl yeah. of ice cream, but like, so he's in this place that he built. Um, and I love how the actual pillar, the foundation of the building, there's like a fossil in there. Like he's mm. built his fortune on just like exploiting like these resources and like maybe, maybe like taking advantage or like just kind of being reckless with this, you yeah. know? Um, is that but, where they discovered the mosquito in the Amber? Was it on that island? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't really know if they get into that about where yeah. they discovered the mosquito. But, um, but yeah, like in the actual like column that's holding that building up, there's like a, a fake like fossil like in mm. built into the columns that are holding the building up, <laughs> which I thought was a nice touch. There's a lot of those little nice touches as far as like the sets and production and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's at that point where his character turns. But before that, they just. Um, he's kind of an asshole. Mm -hmm. He's not like a good character. I mean, like he's like a grandpa and everybody loves him because like, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's a great actor and yeah, he's got all the aff affectations that, that scream lovable grandpa. Yeah. But he's but. got like that. Yeah. He's got that <laughs> grandfatherly presence that makes yeah. you want to love him. But if you look at his behaviors, he's just like an entitled dick. Like the first thing we see is him popping open their bottle of champagne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting into their fridge. Yeah, yeah goes yeah. into their house like a little fucking gremlin. Yeah. like this. Yeah, just popping their. <laughs> we were saving that. Yeah, exactly. Like entitled, and then the fact that he's not worried about anything that's happening. Like he knows. Well, we know the dinosaurs are dangerous, so he knows that that happened to this dude. So he knows how dangerous they are. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're going through this lawsuit with the company. He knows how dangerous they are, but he still invites his grandchildren to this island. Yeah, like that's wow. how arrogant and reckless wow. this man is. Do you think that's he's making a point to the blood-sucking lawyer? Like, yeah, I think so. I, I'm going to show you how safe this place is. I'm yeah. going to bring my grandchildren. Exactly. Basically, use him as pawns to get yeah. his island open. Like, oh, this is how safe we are here. And then they do that cute, that cute little thing with the video when he's talking to himself in the video. And they mm -hmm. have, like, the, the dinky little music. And he's like, oh, that's just temporary. But, like, it goes to show you that he's not taking this seriously enough. Yeah. 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 So they have all these nice little touches. and But when you get to the ice cream scene... Um, Sattler is like just really digging into him, mm -hmm. um, kind of chewing him out for like wanting to play God. Is that what that conversation yeah, yeah. is all about? It's basically that, yeah, yeah. And I love I, the little touch I noticed is that how she takes the bite of yeah, ice cream. She resigns end. too. Yeah, and takes a bite of ice cream. Uh, I mean, like not to completely resigns, but like goes to show you, like yeah, it's like it's delicious. Yeah, it's fucking delicious. And Hammond says, yeah, spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs> for the last fucking time. Right. I also love, I'm just going to go over Hammond real quick. And Is just that where he, like, that's his turning point? Like he's, um, I don't know. I kind of think maybe his turning point is when he's guiding, um, when he's guiding Sattler through the utility uh -huh. um, ducts to yeah. like turn the power back Do you on. think so? I think so. Like, I'm, I think that's the point where like he's being humbled by b both Sadler and Malcolm. Like, I he, mean, yes, he, he yes. He can't but even read the blueprints. And yeah. Like, he's but even up until like that point, up. like you think yeah. he would like, 
he would resign or something at that point. But even like he's insists that he knows how to read this blueprint. Right. And right. he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Like even up until that point, you know? Yeah. Um, they kind of make him sit down on that one. I think like he kind of comes to some senses. And if you've seen the sequels, you know that he hasn't learned shit at the end of this movie. Yeah. Well, he does that kind of, you know, like misogynistic chivalrous thing where Sattler is going to go turn the power back on. But he's like, I should, because I'm you know, like, but it's, it's like half hearted. Like he yeah. doesn't want to, like, he's just going through the motion. Yeah. He will, he won't even put himself in danger. Exactly. Yeah. He's just going through some like archaic idea of that. He's supposed to like say this for a woman. Yeah. And I think the final thing that you, you see about him and like, it, it's just like a nice, like juicy little image is him and Grant standing side by side at the end. And Hammond shirt is still pristinely white mm -hmm. and Grant is just like covered in filth <laughs> and dirt. And like, even after this whole thing, this whole debacle goes through at the end of the movie, like the last shot is like his, he's has, he's untouched. Yeah. Like he didn't yeah. need to get his hands dirty at all. And Grant like gives him his hand and like helps him towards the helicopter and stuff like that. That's yeah. Like, yeah. It's showing Grant's character. Yeah, exactly. It is showing his character. And that's what I mean about these characters just being like built so well, as far as writing goes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, look, just to go back on what you were saying about uh, arrogance, um, Malcolm is a really arrogant character too, which I like too. It's like, <laughs> it, it's amusing to me that like Hammond is um, this arrogant uh, manipulator of nature. He's going to get us in trouble. Uh -huh. um, and Goldblum, who's the voice of, hey, you're messing with something that you, like, you don't know what you're messing with. You're, you don't know what unintended consequences are going to be. Yeah. Um, and he's totally arrogant too. Like he's, <laughs> he's like kind of, he's kind of swaggy. Yeah. So kind of swaggy, kind of sure of himself <laughs> and, um, sure of like, like his ideas. And, um, but I, I, I like that they're both arrogant and then it, it, uh, um, it's just kind of shows him in, in that, in that light that's, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, but I think um, uh, Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character, he's kind of more of a human. It's like he cares about people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you see that when the T-Rex comes and he, like, he's, he's like a showboat, but he also cares about people. Like the way he distracts the T-Rex yeah. with the flare. And goes like, no, don't do that. Like, that's not the right way. <laughs> yeah, and he's like this... Um I don't know, personification of chaos theory. And, and I don't know, like it's kind of a weird personification because like, how is he personified by it? Oh, he's like super promiscuous. Yeah. Like, he's like a ladies man. What do yeah. you think that's about? Is that, I don't know. I thought, I kind of thought it was that chaos theory thing where oh. it's like, he's, he's not tied down to any like structures or norms. Or yeah. Like he's he's kind of like, like all over the place. This unreliable character. He's like a wild yeah. card basically. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not sure what he's going to do next. Kind of charming. Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like Hammond says, he's the rock star. You bring scientists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I bring, I brought scientists. You brought the rock star. Um, but that's good. I guess you can tie it to the kind So Hammond theory. brought Malcolm? No, no, no. The lawyer brought Malcolm, I think. Okay. Because the, yeah. Hammond tells the lawyer, I brought scientists and he's referring to Grant and you brought the rock star yeah. referring to Malcolm. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess that does make sense as far as being like unreliable, kind of writing on your charisma. Not sure, you know? Right. But he, he's really funny in this movie. That in that scene where he's explaining Claire theory and like it slowly falls apart as they start jumping from the car and he ends up talking to himself. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Yeah, you can't predict that. <laughs> you couldn't have possibly predicted that Grant would jump out of the car. Does the science in this movie hold up for you? I don't know, like you probably have like a limited knowledge of the science, but Yeah, like um it holds up in a way that like it's roughly what's happening at that time, you know. Yeah. 
like the cloning, I don't know when it was the first clone, like they cloned a sheep in the nineties. I think uh-huh. I can't remember yeah. when it was. Um, but I, I wanted to just like kind of just run through like the, of like a brief, like kind of overview of like some of the advancements of the, the 20th century science. Like yes, it, and it's so quick and it gets to we're we're sequencing the human genome in the nineties and yes. it's crazy. And you go back just like 50 years prior to that, 60 years prior to that. Like we barely even knew what like a chemical bond was, mm-hmm. you know, Linus Pauling, uh, like a famous uh, chemist. And I only remember the name because my um, organic chemistry professor in college had his autograph and he was like super excited about that. <laughs> but he, he had the Nobel prize, um, uh, for, uh, uh, chemistry in the 1930s, mm. uh, for like more fully, uh, describing the nature of the chemical bond. Mm. Um, and, uh, we didn't know, uh, and, and I say that I don't say like, we didn't know this until, but, from the the thirties to the fifties in the fifties, you got Watson and Crick and they, um, they, they lay out the structure of DNA. Like they, we know the structure of DNA and then the, in the Mm fifties and then at some point between the fifties and and the nine and the late eighties, we figure out how to sequence, sequence DNA, which is like a really freaking cool, um, uh, technology. It's like you chop up, chop up the DNA and then run it through a gel electrophoresis. And, um, and then you can, you can see, you can sequence and sequence it that based on like how long the strands are. And it's, it's, it's really cool. Like how they figured it out. Yeah. It's like a, just very interesting, like technical Marvel. Wow. Um, and then they sequence, like they start sequencing the human gen- genome in the 1980s. And, uh, what is the genome? The genome is your whole, um, genetic material. Okay. So it's like all of your DNA. Oh, okay. Um, and like a very small percentage of your DNA actually codes for anything. Mm. Like most of it does nothing. Mm. Um, so they think that like a lot of it's just old genes that used to code for stuff. Yeah. Um, they're genes that like have other roles too. Like it, as far as like the structure of the DNA, like how it's like physically like uh, laid out. Like they they are still sequencing it actually mm-hmm. they yeah. they, sequ- they s- finish like the major portion of it like in the like early 2000s like the human genome project mm-hmm. but that was only like 75% of it or something like that because mm-hmm. there's also like all of these other genes in in your uh, chromosomes that like don't code for proteins yeah so basically like that's what we thought like the so there's what's called a central dogma in biology yeah and I think it's something like DNA to RNA to protein. Mm. And like your whole body is just made up of proteins. Yeah. So like all of your DNA has all of the codes for how to assemble your body, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, but there's like so much of your genome that doesn't do that exactly. And we don't really know exactly what they, what they do still. Um, but there's like, you know, and, and I'm just like, it's been like 10 years since I studied this, but yeah. Uh, so I'm, you know, behind and probably saying a lot of inaccurate stuff. So people can, <laughs> people can DM us yeah. and I'm sure there's somebody out there who knows 
more about this that, that can uh, correct us. Yeah, but, don't quote us on this. Yeah, don't but put there's you know don't that, put any of this on the Wikipedia for DNA. <laughs> but, on, but like on your chromosomes, like on the ends, there's like these telomeres. They're called telomeres, and uh-huh. they, uh, um, they think that somehow the secret to aging is tied to those uh, sequences because they get shorter every time your cells undergo mitosis. Yeah, every time your cells split, they they get a little bit shorter. And they think that the reason those are there is so that um, it prevents the loss of important genes mm-hmm. that actually code for things. Mm. So that every time your cells split apart, yeah, like your telomeres get a little bit shorter, but they don't code for anything. So it's okay that they go away or mm. something like that. Yeah. So they're thinking that like if they can find a way to like prevent the shortening of the telomeres, then it would cure aging. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've talked about that before. Yeah. I mean, there there are scientists and people who are starting to look at aging as a disease and not something that's inevitable. Yeah. And you were talking about the first um, amortal human. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Yuval Noah Harari thinks this, that the first amortal human has already been born. Yes. Yeah. Meaning on, the first person who, who um, will not die. Yeah. Who, who can die. Yeah. Through disease or injury or something. Yeah. But can be kept alive in perpetuity yeah through medicine gene therapy which um, is a wild thought nano machines yeah like machines in your bloodstream that like i know all about that from middle gear solid (laughs) (laughs) so like in his books anybody out there like his books are really cool i recommend them um like he he's just he's describes nano machines in a bloodstream that you can like sync to your smartphone Mm -hmm. that will tell you like Oh, I killed five cancerous cells today for you. Yeah. You know, like, can you imagine that? That's so, like, it's crazy. Yeah. That sounds kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot going on in this movie uh, with um, like, like sex roles, like uh, male and female. Yeah. Um, when we look at the characters, I feel like all the male characters in the film are involved in this like battle of ego. Mm-hmm. And Sadler isn't really a part of, a part of that, you know. Like, yeah. I feel like her ego is not in the mix with this. And there's like this really interesting thing, sort of parallels in some sense about the dinosaurs being all female. Yeah. And the roles of the female characters in this movie. Um, did you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, and and you know, I'm just kind of reflecting on my impressions on that, like. Yeah, she she does have some kind of witty comments about like the guys being in like pissing contests and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and when she's when she talks about women inheriting the earth, like, right, right. Yeah, um, this God, thing. I wish I could remember what what she what she says. Uh, well, because he talks about uh, he said because uh, Malcolm says uh, God creates dinosaurs, or what? God kills dinosaurs. Yeah, God creates dinosaur. No, or maybe. God creates man. Like, what did she say? And then dinosaur, <laughs> dinosaur eats, eats man. Yeah, she says dinosaur eats man. Inherits the earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I, I, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's like kind of great poking fun at their egos. Like, Button has, um, she kind of ends up being the hero of the movie, really. Yeah. Like, she gets power yeah. back on uh, for the whole island. Um, yeah. And she takes that, like, um, assumes the hero archetype. Yeah. Right. When she goes to turn on the power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Uh, were there, was there anything else you noticed about this movie this time around that kind of never stuck out to you before? Um, the score. 
Yeah. The score, um, I saw with Juan, I saw John Williams in, um, at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, That's yeah. his name, right? The yeah, John Williams. Yeah. Um, I heard a lot of Star Wars in this. Oh, really? In this film score. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess like, it is the same composer. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think I ever made like the, com- the comparison like head to head, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the film score really, it's, yeah, the word theatrical. <laughs> it comes to mind. Well, it fucking better yeah, be. It better be. But yeah, it's uh, it's such a, it was, yeah, it's so big. Yeah, film score, yeah. You know? I really like the parts that it kicks in. Um, I think specifically, kind of one of the parts that gets me the most pumped is when they're in the tree, stuck in the tree, and um, the car starts falling. Uh, it like the first time it like falls a little, and uh, Grant is like, oh no! But then the second time falls again and you realize the, the car's like going to crash down. The score kicks in and they start like racing yeah. down the tree. That's so fucking exciting. There's a lot of these set pieces in the movie that work really well for me that are like set up for action. Like when they're in the kitchen with the Velociraptors, when they're climbing over the fence and Tim gets like blown mm, off the fence. Yeah. Oh, that's like, uh, um, man, I felt like I almost cried a little bit when I saw his sister. Uh, I can't remember her name when she was walking back and forth crying. While, yeah. You know, Grant's like, he's not breathing. I was choked up. <laughs> um, was there anything else you want to talk about as far as science goes? I know you had a lot of notes on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, the other, like the third thing I kind of want to touch on is um, how this movie really popularized. I feel looking back on it in retrospect, like really popularized paleontology. Uh-huh. Um, and, there's like a couple of things like and, and ev- evolutionary biology, you know, and if we think about how far we've come just in the last hundred years, uh-huh. 150 years, yeah. as far as that knowledge, like Darwin was in the 19th century, not, not that long ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, just shortly after that, like there's a really cool book um, called Wonderful Life uh-huh. by Stephen Jay Gould. And it's all about this one major uh paleontological find uh-huh. in Canada called the Burgess Shale. And they found it in 1909. They found 60,000 fossils wow. of these, um, like the earliest soft bodied animal parts that we've, we've ever found. Uh-huh. And, and they're like uh, 500 million years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, uh, like just after the Cambrian explosion. Mm-hmm. So like the history of life on earth in general, or like very, very, very broad, like the whole time scale yeah. is like single cellular life for billions of years. Uh-huh. And then the first multicellular life is around 600 million years ago. Yeah. And then in a very rapid, like very short time window, uh-huh. like all animal phyla appear, <laughs> like all of the animals like a boom. Yeah, boom out of nowhere. That's called the Cambrian explosion. Oh, okay. This archaeological find the Burgess Shale, like it like changed how we think about like the tree of life. Yeah. Because up to that time and and Stephen Jay Gould makes this argument um that we kind of think of evolution as he calls it the cone of increasing diversity that like we came from a primordial like simple thing Mm -hmm. and then radiated outwards in complexity, Mm -hmm. like all these branches in the tree, Yeah, which is a fractal pattern, which is like guys go take a look at chaos theory and looked at, and look at fractal geometry, like tree branching snowflakes, Uh how clouds form. Yeah. Like these are all seemingly random, 
but it's a fundamental pattern in the universe. That's crazy. Like the tree of life is a fractal. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, Stephen Jay Gould says up to that time, we thought that it was like, we're, we have like this single origin and we, and life radiated outward in complexity. Mm -hmm. But what the Burgess shale revealed was that because they saw so many animal species that they had no idea what they were and they couldn't classify them. We, uh, what we what we know now is right after the Cambrian Cambrian explosion, there were all these different kinds of animal phyla, mm-hmm. and most of them went extinct. Mm. So the origin that we think that we came from, as far as animals, was just one of many that could have been. Like there were, um, I think uh, there's something like forty animal phyla, and a, a lot of those still live on Earth, but they're like in very, very small numbers and, you know, we're discovering, like we're discovering living versions of them. Yeah. Every now and then. Yeah. What do you mean by what we could have been just like the, all the different body plans. So in, in evolutionary biology, there's a difference between diversity and disparity. Uh Diversity is like the number of different kinds of species. Uh huh. Like a zebra is different from a horse. Yes. Disparity is all of the different kinds of body plans. So think horse and zebra. Yeah. That's diversity. Uh Uh-huh. All the different number of species. But as far as body plan, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. But think horse and crab. Mm. That, those are disparate forms. Those are, there's more disparity. So just post-Cambrian, like 550 million years ago, Mm -hmm. there were way more different kinds of body plans. Like, so when they were looking at these fossils, they saw body plans that we, they are not around today anymore. Like they're like freaking aliens. Like, like everybody should check out this book. It's really cool. Cause it's got (laughs) pictures of all of these animals. Oh, cool. um, Like from, from the study of the fossils. Uh huh. There's just like legs with that are just like spikes, like these worms that are just walking around. They look like monsters. Yeah. It's, it's 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 crazy. That's awesome. What um, book is this? Wonderful Life. It's Wonder- called. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was looking for it today actually, and um, I couldn't find it to and reference I, for this. Yeah. Because like <laughs> I think what I do is like every book that I really love, I give away. Like. <laughs> So like if you come to my house and you look at my bookshelf, I can't even remember who I gave it to. That's really, like, that's really great of you though. I can never give a book away. It's so hard for me. Any book that I'm missing is because it was stolen from me. <laughs> but like, I think that's like, if you go to my house and look at my bookshelf, it's like, what are like five like books? shitty books? Like, it's like, yeah. Cause like all of my favorite ones I gave away. I love that. These are, this is a collection of books that I don't like. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I like that this this movie makes me think of all of those things. That's really great. I mean, speaking of fractal patterns, I feel like you you would people would use that as like uh, like uh, uh, like as the, the reason they believe in God because like the complexity of nature, yeah. repeating patterns, stuff like that. It's the kind of thing you see when you're like on psychedelics or something. Yeah. Like it's just so clear. Um, it's interesting how patterns in nature reoccur like that, but just patterns in history as well. Yeah. Because you're talking about the Cambrian explosion, there's similar events, like not of that type, but that speed up the progression of just the way we're living our lives. You know, like let's imagine started with the Big Bang, and then like you know, 
that obviously, uh, obviously, lots of progression from what it was mm-hmm. before that. You get Cambrian explosion. I mean, you get industrial revolution. Like these are all like similar things happening yeah. over and over again. You can see like this pattern, you know. And then, the like the rate we're moving at because of computers and the internet. Like I can only imagine what that next big thing is that just like completely looks completely different from from what we're looking at now. And I think this is not unrelated to the arrogance that we've been talking about through this episode, thinking that like, we know what life is going to look like for the next 50 to hundred years. Yeah. Based on what, like our mathematical models, like we we're so like satisfied with ourselves that we have these models. Yeah. Right. Um, and just going back to, uh, black Swan, what he says in that book is really, really great. We confuse the map for the terrain, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as good as a map can be, it's never going to be the terrain the actual terrain. It's just a map. It's just a representation of the terrain. Yeah. And like, and so in order to represent the terrain, you're, you're concerned about like one particular thing about it. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you're looking at a political map, you're concerned about the borders of the countries and and things like that. Um, you're, you don't see as much, you don't see as much like, um, you're, you're not seeing the demographics. You're not seeing the topography. You're not seeing like the tectonic plates, you know, like, um, you have different maps for those different things. But yeah. if you can imagine like seeing all of the terrain packed on one map, um, it's like, could you even conceive of it? You're like, could you even comprehend it? Yeah. Like the purpose of a map is to simplify something. It's to, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Give a I simplified mean, it, representation of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's something about perspective, game perspective. I think they, they study like what happens to an astronaut's brain when they see earth from like, you know, space. Mm-hmm. Can, you know, you relate to the same thing. Like yeah. just, just having that perspective, like gaining that real knowledge, like seeing it with your own eyes. Um, all very much related. I think it's like the supreme confidence in the things that we know for sure. Yeah. 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 What's that next Cambrian explosion going to be? We have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Sam Neill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just want to kind of like, ruminate on how great Sam Neill is. I think he's really good in this movie. Um, he kind of caught my attention after this and has always been like in my life since he doesn't do like a lot of big movies, which yeah. I think is like interesting, but I was looking at his IMDB page and he's done a movie every year since 1980. What? Really? Yeah. And in some years, like a dozen movies. Dang. Yeah. This guy's constantly fucking working. Wait, who is Sam Neill? <laughs> Sam Neill. He's Grant. He's Oh, okay. Yeah, recognizable, but I can't put my finger on anything else that he's been in. What else what else has he been in? Um, so I don't know if you know any of these. I watch a lot more movies than you do. <laughs> but he was in The Mouth of Madness. He was in Possession. He was in um what's that movie in space? Fuck. Sphere? Is it Sphere? I wanna say it's Sphere. I can't even I can't even think of anything else that I've seen him in, but I know his face. Yeah. Probably from Jurassic Park. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's in a ton of things. He's in Jurassic Park three, I think, but he's been in a movie, in a movie, at least one movie every year since 1980. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. This guy's he's like fucking the, working. Amazing actor. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, exactly. And what I love is that like, he always picks very interesting roles, which I think says a lot about an actor. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, this is something I want to talk about with our Nicholas Cage because Nicholas Cage picks interesting roles. I wanted to get yeah. into that and I forgot about <laughs> like just talking about like the, the range of things that he has chosen to be in. But uh, I mean, if you look at Sam Neill, he is like the king of this. Like he does some like really interesting, like freaky shit. Like you, 
like in the mouth of madness, you're just like, oh, you know, this dude's a freak. And like he was in possession, which is like a cult classic at this point. It's had a resurgence. It's, it just got like remastered and stuff like that and re-released into theaters. And it, people are just like acknowledging it for like the masterpiece of a horror movie that it is right now. Um, and then in Sphere, it's got to be Sphere. I might be wrong. I'm going to correct myself later on this, but I think it's Sphere that he's in. Oh, fuck. No, I know I'm wrong. Anyway, <laughs> it's a it's a space horror movie, and he just plays like uh, he, he plays like the the villain, like he's like the ultimate villain, and he's just like all in fucking spikes. He looks like Hellraiser, wow. and he knew like this dude's <laughs> a freak. You know, this dude's a freak, dude. Yeah. yeah, wow, you gotta check that out. Yeah, I love Sam Neill for it. Um, yeah, that's basically his character has an interesting reversal on kids. What is that about? Like, so he hates kids in the beginning, and then he bonds with the Hammonds. Yeah, Hammond's which Hammond's I think character. is like really like that's his. Uh, kind of his character arc like that's yeah. like interesting that that's like what his character is doing in this movie it's like introducing the first thing where he like kind of like taunts that kid with the velociraptor claw yeah that's another thing that we wanted to talk about is the popularization of velociraptors how like yeah. that wasn't on anybody's radar before this right. movie and now everyone knows what a velociraptor is and um when we were in zion you were saying the velociraptors in this movie are like based specifically off Oh yeah, fossils found yeah. in Utah. Yeah, yeah, you were telling me about yeah. this while we're in Utah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> anything you know about a velociraptor? You know, that's a Mormon velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> vicious beast. Yeah, but it, yeah, I thought it was funny how like Sam Neill's character, his whole arc is like, this, he likes kids. Like he, mm. and I, I think it's like, I'm not sure. Like, do you, like, is it saying something about his like, he's like so hyper rational. He's like distant from humanity or something there's something like, about that yeah yeah like because it's like a weird person who's like repulsed by kids right it's like you kind of like what's wrong with you, like, you <laughs> i mean i'd kids? like to say yes but sometimes <laughs> i'm repulsed by kids yeah that's fair <laughs> I I, like i don't know i like yeah. I, I i love some kids like my niece who i fucking adore or love spending time with yeah but i have this weird thing is that like when i talk to kids i talk to kids like adults and like I have like like sometimes like when I don't like a kid like I have like full on dislike like mm. full on adult hate for children <laughs> sometimes and it's it's the most bizarre thing I wish like it wasn't so but I just find myself being irritated or like stirred by yeah. by children <laughs> in ways that like probably isn't appropriate. <laughs> Do you acknowledge that, right? Do yeah, you no, observe I can, that. No, in yourself I completely at the time? acknowledge like, it. Yeah. Like, why am I getting so angry at this yeah, child? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a complete <laughs> lack of patience when it comes to some kids. I think especially when they aren't related to me. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, please, I do not want to deal with you. I was like probably the worst uncle growing up because I did not let my nieces and nephew into my room because I'm such a freak about like all my things. And I, they're so gonna get their greasy fingers on. Exactly. Yeah. All their, their, their sticky little hands yeah. all over everything. And I remember I, I was like, I kind of softened up on the weekend because my nieces and nephews were sleeping over. So I set up my Xbox in the living room and, and I woke up in the morning and I walked to the living room. And the first thing I see is my nephew fully standing on top of my Xbox. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I throw that kid out a window. <laughs> But yeah, they did this to me. They made me this monster. Um, there's a couple of things I think in this movie that I caught onto this time that I thought didn't work or might have been like a, a little off. Um, one thing is like the little girl. I love how they like drop in the the fact that she's like a hacker. Yeah, 
And then she ends up like using this skill and right. the computer program. She's like, Oh, I know this. And then like, basically it's just her, like, it's just a, like a, yeah. 3d user interface. <laughs> yeah. Like she's not really like typing. Anything. Yeah. She just uses her mouse. It's like, that's, I had the same observation. I was like, Oh, so she can use a computer. Yeah. <laughs> like she's a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it basically looks like what your iPhone screen looks yeah. like now. Like it's yeah. just like apps lined up on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I love that. And there's one thing that I noticed that I hadn't noticed before, which maybe it's like continuity issue or just like a pothole, but Hammond complains about putting uh, locking devices on the doors. And mm. during the scene with the T-Rex, she locks the door. Uh, and I was yeah. like, that's not supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't I smart? So we didn't talk about Nedry at all. Oh yeah. Newman. Yeah. Go off um, on Nedry. I, I just, you know, not much to say other than he's the, He's the outlier. He's the variable. Like if we're talking chaos theory, yeah. he's the variable. He is chaos. Yeah. He's the variable that Hammond couldn't account for. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't account for everything. Oh yeah, for sure. He's like, yeah. he's the butterfly flapping his wings. Yep. Um, I think you get this in the first scene when he's introduced because he's loud. He doesn't care. He's not careful. And he's wearing like this loud ass Hawaiian shirt, like the colors, yeah. like he's just like <laughs> popping off. Um, yeah. And he's also like messy. Like his desk is like super messy. Mm. Um, he's chaos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Chaos. He's yeah. He's he's the Joker. Yeah, he's the human form of chaos, and like I think they, that's why they made him like the sloppy, overweight character. It's just like you don't know what's gonna happen to this guy. Um, yeah, it's scary. People like that unsettle me. Like, yeah, I think like I try to stay away from people like that consciously because I I, I think I see that potential for disaster. Like I see all of that. You know, I need to clean up my office at work because my office is a bit dirty. I think yeah. people are like don't want to come in there because it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how much you pick up on off of these yeah. things. Um, my garage, the one we're sitting in now, like recently got broken into, I told you. And I was like, I just started like manically Googling like what, like burglaries and stuff like that and statistics. Yeah. And apparently burglars pay attention to stuff like that. Like if they oh. go into your house and they, they, they rob from you, but they see it's messy, there's a higher chance that they'll come back because they see that you're probably not like oh. a safe person. Like you, you're probably not... Yeah, doing the most gonna... to secure your house because you're like you're an unorganized person. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting fact. Yeah, that is super interesting. Yeah, and it ma it makes sense a little bit. Yeah, you know, like the sloppy person might not be the the one that's gonna freak out about it and then put like an alarm system. Yeah, and exactly. So, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're just gonna be like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, but hope that doesn't happen again. Hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, another little thing that's always like caught my attention is um, when Nedry slips, that little slipping noise. The <laughs> I was like, why is that in this movie? <laughs> yeah, that's always like been really funny. But the fact that he loses his glasses is like saying something about like uh, evolution and like nature yeah. versus nurture. You know what I mean? Like he can't see his glasses. Like he's just a mess. Yeah. Um, not made to survive. Basically, I think it's kind of like what they're pointing out in that scene. The other thing, um, the more, I mean, I guess Nedry's pretty obvious, but the other obvious thing about the chaos theory element is the fact that, you know, when they used amphibian DNA, yeah. spliced in that, into that sequence that was uh, uh, lost. Yeah. Um, the hermaphroditic DNA got yeah. in there too. Yeah. Like codes for that ability to switch sexes. Um, when like there's only one, only one sex in, in the population. Yeah. 
I mean, that goes to show like how quick and like sloppy these scientists were. Yeah. Grant mentions this, how like they're just rushing everything. I mean, in that first thing that I was talking about where the two, the lawyer and the other digger are talking, um, you know, there's this feeling that like they're trying to expedite this whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously like his scientists missed this. Like Grant knows it straight ahead. Like, oh yeah, there's, there's just frogs that were known to change sexes. Like right. obviously yeah. not a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's that and oh the, or they could have had t-rexes that jump like 50 times their body height <laughs> that would have been genius <laughs> that needs to go to the next one <laughs> that'd be fucking terrifying oh god uh yeah another and Grant uh, would be like oh the amphibian dna <laughs> I, I, another thing that i love about like the, the the finer details of uh just like the the rush job that they're doing is that when they climb into like the ceiling and they're like around all like the ducks mm. and stuff some of that stuff is like taped together like yeah. so showing you like just <laughs> below the surface like everything is like super rushed and like just not really well thought out there's- did you notice when they were doing the uh orientation kind of like um movie and then they the um like the audience chairs swivel and it's they're looking into the lab mm-hmm. and they're seeing like live dinosaurs the lawyer like leans over and is like is that auto erotica <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and Hammond's like uh, no, it's, they are not animatronic. <laughs> I think I first caught that when we watched it out here in our front yard. Like I've never got that joke before. And I just caught it last night. <laughs> I didn't catch it last time. <laughs> yeah, that, should, that, that, that one's hilarious. I really like that one. Um, anything else you wanted to say? Um, yeah, here's another, like, I don't know, stray bit of trivia. Yeah. Tool, one of my favorite bands. Yeah. The guitarist uh-huh. worked on all of the dinosaurs. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. He's like a really gifted like sculptor and uh, special effects person. Uh-huh. He does like all of their music videos too. Like Tool's music videos are Oh, crazy. yeah. Those are wild, dude. Yeah. Everything about Tool, Tool is just wild. Like, yeah. They're the most, they're the strangest people. Like those guys. Yeah. Like. They had that tour once where everything was white. Like they covered all their equipment in white. Like they were all wearing white and they just like had this whole projection like yeah. all over everything. I was like, that's such like a wild idea. Like, yeah. I've never seen them live. I, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're, oh, they came out with an album like last year. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe they tour. I don't know. Yeah. They're a crazy band. I, I went through a small phase where I was listening to them. I mean, I, I think for the most part, they're a little too moody for me, but like, yeah, hell yeah, they rock. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Adam, Adam Jones, guitarist of Tool did the dinosaurs awesome i'm glad we got to talk about this i know there's like a lot of things i missed um i didn't think i would want to say as much as i wanted to say about this yeah there are so many details in this movie like i wish i had been taking notes we were kind of rushed this week like obviously my bachelor party this week and that's what we're going to be doing uh the next episode is going to be from there um what movie are we going to do i think we might do mac and me Uh, we're having a guest my friend sergio um we'll talk to him i think he wants to do mac and me um, we might do something else. He's a huge Hitchcock fan, so it might be something from that. Um, week after that, we're doing Almost Famous with a friend. So, like, I swear, we're working yeah. on things. This was, like, kind of a, a rush <laughs> week. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, I wish I had taken more notes in this movie because there's, like, so many things I noticed. There's so much to say about Jurassic Park. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll do it again. Cause I yeah, think, we, I think there's enough. We haven't fully mined this. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, I we did, could come back to this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would love to do it and bring a guest on because, yeah, I think this movie is like so juicy, so full of detail. I was catching so many things and like I was like lazily just like putting them in my, as my, in my phone as I was like watching it because I didn't realize like I was going to catch this much. I think because it's a blockbuster or like because everybody loves it and I didn't think we would have that much to say about it. Yeah. Um, I was kind of lazily watching it, but I was like, oh, no, there, like this movie is so rich with detail. 
um, just the characters alone, like the, the small things that they do. I would just love to like take someone's hand and like point out every single little thing that I see in here. Cause yeah. like, yeah, I saw so many things I was watching it. Um, but yeah, I'm like totally down to do this one, like a, a part two of this one, especially with somebody who like loves this movie. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Uh, all right. right. There's, there's little stuff like there's like, um, uh, when the girl has the jello in her spoon. Oh yeah, dude. I think that's <laughs> gel electrophoresis. Like that's a little nod to like molecular biology. Cause like, that's exactly like the, the, the medium that you put these, uh, DNA molecules through uh-huh. is like jello. Oh wow. Like, I think that's a little... That's a little nod. I love that. I love how you would know that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's do another Jurassic Park. Hell yeah. Um, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. See ya. And that was an episode about Jurassic Park. Thank you for listening. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. I got a wedding coming up in a month. We're having a bachelor party this weekend. Currently sitting in Patrick's bedroom while he packs and gets ready for our trip. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to record an episode there. Possibly Mac and me. That's subject to change. Stand by. You can find out what we're doing next on Instagram. Just follow us at Film Slobbery. That's F-I-L-M-S-L-O-B-B-E-R-Y. You can rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate that. Um, a note on the show. The movie I was talking about earlier was not Sphere. It was Event Horizon. Could not remember that. Sorry for embarrassing myself. The music you're listening to now is by Randy Flores. You already know that by now. Sit back and enjoy. We'll see you next week. 